Chase does a pretty good job with that song, doesn't he? He is almost getting up to the elite Scott, you know, class on leading that song, okay? Uh, if you uh, have been here for a few years, over 10, 12, even more years in North River, you're familiar with Elite Scott leading that song and uh, helping us focus in on Jesus from the very beginning of North River. Uh, you're going to notice this service has a, um, a little bit of a sub-theme, and that's the, uh, the idea that we're, we're back in school. We're either kids are back in school or they're getting ready to go back into school, and so many great things are happening with that particular age group in our spiritual family. A week ago after our teen uh, lock-in, Carissa Cox was baptized into Christ, and what a great way to begin her new life. We're excited about Carissa. And then at 11 o'clock, at the 11 o'clock service, Maddie Weber's going to be baptized, another teen. Uh, and that's exciting, you know, for all of us. So uh, let's keep uh, praying for all our kids of all ages. And you're going to notice there's a little bit of a tie-in, both with the sermon and what we just saw about children and our children's ministry. All right, let's see if we can advance this and get to my, my title slide. We're beginning a, a new series in August and September, and we're focused on Jesus's relationships. We're actually starting off, and it's going to tie in to last week, as Douglas talked about being Scripture-soaked and saturated. We're going to start off with Jesus's relationship with the Word of God and His passion for the scriptures. Before we get in into that, though, let me tell you where we were. Jeff and I just got back along with uh, Kelly and with, uh, with Mark Ottenweller uh, from the Southeast Leaders Retreat. Uh, while we were up there, we did an afternoon session, the North River team. Uh, Jordan uh, Massey and J.K. Brown also came up, you know, for that. It was about equipping the next generation, you know, for service. It was a great time, and we got a picture here of most of the uh, uh, 31 evangelists uh, in our sister churches in the southeast and their wives. It was a really meaningful time. Of course, a lot of the Atlanta uh, fellow ministers were there. We had a great fellowship, so many. And then last week, Kendall and I got to be at Bridgepoint. You know, we got to preach there and to be able to fellowship with the brothers and sisters there. They, of course, are uh, close by as a sister church. And uh, there you see Ben Barnett and Stacy Brown, their evangelist, along with uh, Kendall and I. So it's been a, it's been a really meaningful time for us over the last week. But let's get back to the Scripture. What I want to ask you to do is turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. We're going to start there. And very, very briefly, this is an interesting passage because it tells us in the beginning was the Word, the logos of God, the essence of God. And we know when we talk about Scripture, it's God-breathed, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. It's the essence of God that He's communicated to us in a form that we can, can understand, we can read, we can memorize it, we can pass it down. But originally, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the mystery of Jesus is that the Word of God, the essence of God, became flesh and dwelt among us, and for a brief shining moment, we got to see it up close and personal. And then the Word of God that we read, whether it's in your paper form or, you know, on your, your device, 
We are able to get to know Jesus Christ, and we're not left alone in that. We have God's Holy Spirit transforming and helping us to understand the Scripture. And it's all about learning more and more how to be like Jesus, to understand God, to draw near to God. And so that's really where you see the first in the life of Jesus, this, 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 this connection with the Word of God. Now, now here's something very interesting. We... Um, we know very little about the first uh, 30 years of Jesus' life. I think we're all familiar with that. And so I'm going to ask you to, uh, to turn to Luke chapter 2. And um, in Luke chapter 2, it's a very interesting, you know, passage. And I'd like to start in about verse 40. Here's, um, here, here's, here's what we know about Jesus as a, um, well, it's really the only incident that we've got you know, about Jesus, you know, between the time where he was born and basically began his ministry at 30 years old. It's a very, it's a very interesting thing. And um, I'm using my device, and as you can see, it kind of gets funky on me because I don't usually do this. Uh, but I'm trying to, to learn. All right. In verse 40, and the child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was with him. That's how Jesus' life was summed up the first 12 uh, years of his life. That's it. That's all we've got. It's a general statement. If you keep going down in Luke chapter 2, you're going to notice in around verse 52, after this incident we're going to look at here in Jesus' life, the one that we've got when he was uh, under 30, you're going to see it's another general statement. That he grew in wisdom and, you know, uh, stature and in favor with God and man. And we got two general statements. And the only thing we have in between is a few verses when Jesus was 12 years old. But we can really learn a great deal from those verses and about Jesus' love and passion for the Word of God if we zero in and, uh, and see what we can learn, you know, from this. He, uh, in the middle of, as I said here, we've got, uh, we've got this statement. I think we remember the story that Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem. They were with you know, a group of other people. They had sort of a caravan of sorts. And then when they left, they, they figured Jesus was probably with another family. But uh, they, they, they couldn't find him. And then all of a sudden, I mean, they, they lost a 12-year-old. And they, like any parents would do, very concerned. They head back to Jerusalem, and they're, they're looking for him, and they're trying to find what's, uh, you know, what's happening to him. You know, I think, now, we know where they find him, right? They find him in Jerusalem sitting down with the teachers of the law, and it says that he's asking questions, he's sitting down, he's learning, you can see he's listening, he's taking the role of a student. He's into this. He is into the Word of God. I think a lot of times, and think about our children here, I think a lot of times we underestimate our kids and our teens' ability to get it spiritually and to be actually powerful in God and in Christ. And somehow we think they got to get past those years before they really get it. The spiritual training for, for Jewish children was pretty comprehensive, exhaustive, and even, and even challenging. 
You, you remember like Paul talks about how Timothy was learning the scriptures from, do you remember the word? Infancy. Since he was just a little baby. I know some of you, you know, that are, that are parents, uh, are parents-to-be, or you have a, a child on the way. Sometimes you certainly pray over your child. You'll quote scripture, even from the womb. You're, you're immersing them, saturating them in the word of God as well. Was that ever the case in Jesus' life? We were driving back yesterday. In the car, it was Kelly and Mark and Jeff and I, and it, it, the flow kind of went toward it's back to school, and we're talking about in August, it's focus on the Scripture, decoding the New Testament, doing some Scripture memory, I mean, really digging in to the Scripture as a whole church. And we were reminiscing a little bit and, and, and talking about how, what we did when we were younger and what we, we wonder is really going on in our, in our families, with, particularly our young families with the children. Are, are there deep talks about the Scripture? Is there Scripture memory? Are there the acting out the Scriptures, family devotion? We just were curious about that, and we were reminiscing, and we were thinking ourselves, wow, we, we want to be more of an influence on that and with our children no matter what age they are. But uh, for, for Jewish children, let me tell you a little bit about how this worked. There's a very famous rabbi, Rabbi Judah ben Tema, who said that Jewish boys should learn the Scripture by age 5, the Mishnah, that's the Jewish law, by age 10, to learn to fulfill the law by 13. In other words, be obedient, putting these things into practice in their life by the age 13. And then they should learn, uh, learn the Talmud, the Jewish commentaries of the Old Testament. The Jews actually had three levels of education for their, their kids, probably going back to the time of Ezra when they started reteaching the Word of God, you know, there. And so, um, the, uh, their, their, the first section was called uh, Bet Sefer. And the way this worked, this was for kids aged 6 through 12. So, you know, those are our kids over in the FLC, what we call Kingdom Kids, our children's ministry classes. And they would get their education in the synagogue, the text was the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and the goal for these kids was to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Did you catch that? <laughs> to memorize the first five books of the Bible. HB, you got a Bible there, you got a paper Bible. Kind of, kind of grab Genesis through, you know, first five books of the Bible. Okay, and kind of take a look at it. You know, get a handful, you know, right there. Imagine that. Well, they didn't have smartphones, so it was much easier. I get it. And TV screens. Is that not intense? Do you know that a child has the ability, has the DNA, has the gray matter to memorize the first five books of the Bible? And sometimes we sell them short, and we're not saying, okay, well, we're going to scare all of you guys off from coming on Wednesday. I can see that right now in the kids' classes. No, that's not the goal of what, you know, of what we're doing. That is what Jesus grew up with. And then in the Babylonian Talmud, this is very interesting. Here's a quote from one of their rabbis. Before the age of six, do not accept pupils into the synagogue school. From that age on, you can accept them and then stuff them with the Torah like an ox. That was the quote. That was there. This was all about knowing, loving, memorizing, having your, your life guided by the Scripture. Now, we know Christianity and spirituality is more than, than, than quoting Scripture and just knowing a lot of Scripture. Nick's going to get to that in just a minute. 
because we're sharing the sermon today, Nick Schaff and I, who also from a young boy in our church learned about Christ, learned about the scripture, and even at around Jesus' age here as a young teen, put it into practice by starting a nonprofit called JamQuest, okay, where they raise money to help uh, children in Africa. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what, what Nick has to say with this. You, you saw the stats, you know, how... Uh, a child's character is basically shaped by the age of nine. Some people say it's earlier. So for parents or grandparents, we say, wow, this is really important early on to make sure that at the bare minimum, I'm an example. And I'm praying about this, and this is truly, you know, all my heart. Uh, the, the Jewish moms, that was their responsibility in that culture for the first, you know, 11, 12 years of their life. And then the dads really got involved and took over about that time. They were very involved in this. In fact, there was a, uh, the dads had a job, they had all that, but he, he got in there and really taught the why, the deep meaning of the scriptures and the worth of a Jewish dad the worth of a Jewish father in many ways was measured by how he raised his kids. Well, that's something worth reflecting on, right? Excuse me? Right? That's something really worth reflecting by all of us. Not that we got to go back 2,000 years to find our pattern, but to realize, you know, how important this is. Now, you get back to the story here. They find Jesus, don't they? They find him. Shouldn't be surprised where he is. And he tells, hey, didn't you know I'd be about my father's, you know, about my father's business? Somewhere in that crowd, they found him. When they found him, they, according to the scripture here, they, they, after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking questions, and everybody who heard him, they were, they were amazed. He, this is a typical scene here. A pupil is sitting among the teachers. They're there learning, they're sitting, they're respectful, and what an opportunity for Jesus. He's from a smaller, out-of-the-way city, Nazareth, and now he's in Jerusalem, and he's around these great teachers, and his human mind is developing. His body developed, his mind developed, you know, no doubt his emotions developed, just like any, any, any child growing up, and there he was there and with people who knew the prophets and, and knew the sacrificial system, and, and you know he wanted to know. You know, he, he, he had questions about, about all of that and what it really meant and, you know, actually how it pointed to his own destiny. And there he is. He's not the teacher. He, he's in the, the pupil-learner stage. He's in that mode. He's actually asking them questions they're probably not capable of answering. Jesus was learning. Jesus was teachable. He was not there to impress them. He was there to listen, to learn, to ask questions. That's a great example, isn't it? And that's hopefully how all of us will be, whether it's in, uh, in our own Bible study as we go before God and we yield ourselves to the Scripture, as we learn from other teachers, as we come here, you know, on our midweeks. And uh, there's, a, there's a very, very great spiritual truth in this. This is old oil painting that maybe some of you have run across. It's called the Young Christ, you know, teaching in the temple. And it's interesting because this painting could not get it more wrong. They got Jesus 
as this bratty-looking kid sitting up above all of the teachers on what looks like a throne, and he's pontificating. And the teachers are just, oh, my goodness, you know? That is not what it looked like. Jesus was sitting there, you know, learning, asking questions with a heart of a disciple. You know, it's a, it, he's, he's our example. It, it's, a, it's something to, to ask ourselves too, right? If that's our posture before the Scripture, is it even our posture when we come in to hear you know, a sermon, or we, 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 we listen to a podcast, and there are many great opportunities to learn more about Scripture, or when we humbly come together as a church, as a church body, and learn it together, and then be able to fellowship and help, as, as the Scripture was last week, let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly as we teach and admonish what? Each other, you know, not just bringing it in, bringing it in, bringing it in, but being able to share it with, uh, you know, with each other. It does raise the question, how am I doing hungering and thirsting after righteousness? You know, am I, like Peter says, like a newborn babe, just constantly, you know, uh, longing for the Scripture? That was really what Douglas was talking about last week, wasn't it? When he talked about being Scripture-soaked and saturated and when he asks us, you know, that question, is my mind being soaked in Scripture or something else? Because it certainly, it certainly will be. I, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close out with this. Everyone was amazed at his understanding and his answers. It doesn't stop there, does it? From the very time of the shepherds, it says they were amazed you know, at this good news about Jesus. And then it says, Jesus' mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, were amazed at, uh, you know, at their son. And everyone's amazed, you know, at him when he's 12 years old. And all through the Gospels, everywhere you look, people are amazed at Jesus' teaching and his love for the poor and the needy and his miracles and then ultimately the resurrection of Jesus that's what it's all about, being filled with wonder and amazement about Jesus Christ. That's how it started for us as Christians, and let's always keep that amazement. Life continued on for Jesus as it does for us, and when he's 30 years old, he's tempted as we are at 20, 30, 40, 50, and 60, right? We're all tempted. Jesus' answer to this temptation, even of, of, of food, when he's tempted by Satan, he says, you know, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every, every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, throughout the rest of this fall, how about we devote ourselves like Jesus and follow Jesus and have a passion for the word of God? Let's welcome Nick Schaff up to the stage. Man, well, thanks, Tom, for, uh, for all that. Like you said, my name's Nick. If you would, turn over to John chapter 5 with me. You know, I'm really excited just to kind of share about this topic right here. As I was thinking about it a little bit, I was like, man, I wonder what, if Jesus were to come up here and talk about the word, I wonder what it would have sounded like just to kind of hear Jesus talk about the words of God. I imagine it was just like, he, he was just wide-eyed, and he's like, you can't, I can't wait to tell you about what God has to say, 
about my words. It's kind of like if you came out of an epic movie, right? And you're kind of talking about, you see that, and you see that right there, and I think it meant that right there, and remember that part, and I think that's just how Jesus approached the word of God. That when you're sitting around him, like the teacher's like, this dude loves this thing. He loves it so much. He's so passionate about it. He just, he was full of it. And for me, like, I, I'm just amazed and inspired every time I look at Jesus, what he has to say, his passion, his love for the word, and especially for God. And uh, to me, the reason why Jesus was so passionate was in John chapter 1. You know, for me, I was exposed to kind of the scriptures all my life growing up. I really started taking it seriously when I was 12 years old. And uh, just, like, just like Jesus was right here. And so I thought, you know, I'd start just by doing what Jesus did. And I'm just going to quote the entire Torah here for a little bit and, uh, and just see what you guys think, okay? So, in the beginning, God created. Now, some of you guys thought I was actually going to go all the way through and do it. But for me, there has been nothing that has changed my life like this book right here. There's nothing that's changed my life like the word of God. The people that have been changed by the word of God that helped change me, the words and times I've spent in here, like just memorizing things, but also just kind of searching for things. It's amazing that you can read the Bible for your whole life and then you're still reading it and still amazed by things every day, still find new things to discover. And for me, like I just, the word, the word of God just has totally and completely changed my life. For the, and I think it will for the rest of my life. I love what Tom said in, uh, in, John, in John chapter one. Later on, it goes on to describe the word as that the word was, was full of life and that life was the light of all men. Jesus knew that the words of God bring this epic, incredible life and this light, this cra crazy, chaotic, dark world that Jesus is saying, this word right here, it brings a, this beacon of light in the midst of all this chaos and all this darkness. There was light. There was life. He was so passionate about it. And I think he was passionate about it because he knew that we are lied to every single day. That we are constantly bombarded with lies. That people in the media, people at work, I bet a lot of the students that just went back this last week going to school, they've already seen people that have started to buy into some of the lies that they're being told every single day. I remember one time my sister, you know, this is my sister right here. Uh, her name is Mackenzie. She's awesome. Um, she came home one day from school and said, was telling this story and said, you know, there was a, a friend that came up to me and said, uh, hey, do you really want to know what your friends think about you? And I mean, like, that's, that's a trap. You know, I, I don't know, like, how, how do you respond to that? Like, no, I, or, you know, she says, yeah. And so she says, you know, they think that you're fat and you're ugly and they are pretending to be your friend. And I kind of, I was like, what is wrong with people? Like, what is wrong with that? Like, it, it broke my heart just because I love my sister so much, so messed up. And that lie has stayed in her brain for her whole life, where she's had to fight that stuff, where she's had to kind of fight through the, hey, you're not good enough. No one likes you. You can't be yourself. That if you are yourself, people, you can't trust them. They won't really accept you. And I think, you know, when Jesus, when he saw the crowds around him, it says that he had compassion on them. Because why? Because they were harassed and they were helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And I wonder what Jesus thinks when he sees us kind of buying into and believing some of those lies. I imagine he's like, no, don't, no, 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 don't believe those things. 
He said, I have the words of life right here. Don't believe those lies. They don't know how to love you. They don't know, they don't know who you are. I created you. I know who you are. I know how to love you. I have the words of life right here. Just come on. Come to me. Listen to me. I have the truth. Don't buy into those lies. And I think Jesus was so passionate about it because he knew that those words would set us free. And he knew that, we, we, that buying into those lies would destroy us. And he came to bring us the truth. He came to bring us what, what God really has to say about us. You know, if you haven't had the chance to read much of the Bible before, I just want to let you know that what he says in these, in, the, in these pages is that he just thinks that you're the coolest thing of all time. He thinks you're amazing. He made you for greatness. He wants you to be the greatest version of yourself possible. This book contains the truth that I really believe if you allow it to, to have an effect on your life, you are in for a thrilling and life-changing ride. But for those of you that have been reading it for a long time and study it consistently, been around the Bible for a long time, I want to read something that kind of impacted me recently here in John chapter 5. Because as Jesus was talking to, the, to people that have basically memorized the Old Testament, they were experts and they were teachers, and he warns them with this. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Even though they were experts, they were trained, and they were the most religious men in the world, they had missed the point. And I think what Jesus means is that God's word isn't really primarily to give, to give us like more intellectual facts or religious principles or just a ton of knowledge about him, just to stuff in our brains, or even just like encouraging quotes. The words that he, he spoke were meant to bring us to him. They're meant to fill us with life. They're meant to fill us with health. Like the Bible is actually meant to make you a more healthy person. It's meant to fill us with love and make us more loving people. You know, I know in my life recently, it becomes really tempting to consume like mass amounts of information and knowledge and, and like just content into my brain. And I do so sometimes at the expense of actually doing what the Bible says. You know, in a given week, I got like three or four different podcasts I'm listening to. I got several books that I'm reading. I have uh, videos I'm watching, lessons I'm hearing, other content I'm reading. And all that's so good and it's helped me a ton, but sometimes I feel like I'm losing the simple habit of just hearing Jesus' words and putting them into practice. I'm consuming so much knowledge and content, but when I actually kind of think about doing it, I'm like, whoa, Jesus, slow down, man. Like, I kind of want you to be over there. I'll watch you. I'll learn from you. I'll kind of clap for you and be in awe of you, and I, I'm looking forward to the encouraging statements you got to give me. But then when you come and tell me to do something or when you kind of tell me to follow you, that's where I'm like, I don't know, man. I, why don't you kind of stay, stay in your place over there and let me just watch? And I think it's really easy to kind of just sit around and watch, and watch Jesus as opposed to really follow him. Because the word of God isn't about just be, helping us become more religious. It's not about just watching and learning and consuming. It's meant to be practiced. And it's all meant to kind of lead us towards this life to the full that Jesus is really, is really wanting to give us. You know, it's kind of like for, for a lot of us, right? Like if, if your mom came to you and said, hey, why don't you go clean your room? 
And, uh, and late, you know, the next day she comes and she looks at your room. She's like, this thing ain't clean, right? And she comes to you and says, why didn't you clean your room? And you're like, well, man, I, I thought about it for a long time. I thought about cleaning my room. Actually, I went and just like, I memorized it. Go clean your room. You know, and I memorized it. And it was awesome. And I actually kind of visualized what would it be like to have a clean room? Then I had all my friends over and we sat around in my room and we discussed what would it be like to have a clean room? And we just discussed it and we kind of like dreamed about it. And then like I translated it into Greek. I was like, how do I translate it into Spanish and Japanese and all this kind of stuff? And then I went and I asked experts who are experts at cleaning their room. And I said, how do you clean your room? And I started asking them about it. And I started reading books on like really clean rooms. And I was reading about it and I was like, I was just fascinated. And I, I imagine your mom would just be like, what? <laughs> Why didn't you actually just go and clean it? And I think sometimes that, that's what Jesus is kind of thinking with us. Is like we sit around and we talk about it. But he's like, no, 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 you're not going to experience the life unless you really just go and really live it. Because that's when you're really going to find life. You know, for my sister, I've, I've watched her uh, throughout high school battle these lies of I'm not good enough, nobody cares. I watched her these past four years going to college, go to nursing school. One of the hardest, you know, majors to have right there. She like barely was making it. She almost failed out a couple of times and she had to battle through the lies that that, that stuff would bring of like, see, I, I, knew that, I knew that I wasn't made out for this. God doesn't want me to do this. Or like, does, God isn't really gonna be with you in all this and you're just gonna fail and you're not really gonna amount to anything. But then I also kind of heard about the times, you know, where it, well, she would come home and she would doubt her that God really even existed. And she was like, I'm not even sure if I believe in God anymore. But I saw like throughout that time too that she didn't kind of quit in those times. I heard about like the times that she went on these like epic prayer walks out in the woods that she clung to like God's words. And it's like, no, no, I, God had promised me that I'm gonna have life to the full. God promised me he's not gonna let me go. He's gonna stay with me. And th this past week, she had kind of like her big NCLEX exams where it basically is like, hey, if you're a nurse or not. You know, graduation's kind of one thing. It doesn't really matter if you don't pass this exam. She's been studying six, eight hours a day. This is all four or five years kind of leading to this moment. And she kind of like spent five and a half hours taking this exam and was like, on the, kind of the, by the skin of her teeth, was wondering if she was going to pass this exam. She wasn't sure. And, uh, and, and she called us the other day just in tears because she had, she had passed. And this was the, uh, the picture she, that we took of her. And uh, she was passing. And, and then she put, she put that on Facebook about, you know, cropping herself into there. But, um, but then she wrote on Facebook, and it was just filled with scriptures about how God had just been, like, so faithful to her. And about, like, just six, seven, eight scriptures, just like, man, God has been so faithful to me. And it was a time I was looking at it, I'm like, it was just a moment. I'm like, God, you, you are, you're so good. You're so faithful. That when we cling to you, and we actually do what you say, and we, we don't give up, we don't just listen to it, but we actually go and practice it, we cling to it, we believe it, that's when I feel like God really blesses us. And I asked her if I could share this, and she said, Nick, it's not even my story, it's, it's God's story. I was like, that, that's pretty awesome right there. But I believe that Jesus was so passionate because he knows that when we trust Jesus, when we hear his words, when we truly put them into practice in our life, I believe that's when we receive life and we receive it to the full in the life that he so desperately wants to give us. Thanks for letting me share. Appreciate it.
Our worship team uh, is coming up right now. We're going to close out our service with a song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Uh, let's look at one other scripture as we're getting ready to sing this. Jesus not only loved the word, had a passion for the word, studied the word, he really made it his goal to please his father in everything that he did and to fulfill the scripture. And when he was taken by force that night that led to Calvary, he said, you know, put your swords down and stuff like that. It, it, it's not time for that. It's time for me to fulfill the scripture. It's time for me to put it into practice as well. And we sing this song, you know, one of the verses says, the world behind me, the cross before me. I have decided to follow Jesus. Let's in every way this week do our best to be a disciple, to be a learner, to be a pupil, and just like uh, these guys on the road to Emmaus, when uh, they opened up the scripture, they recognized it was Jesus. And their response was, we're in our hearts burning. If we'll spend time with Jesus and the scripture, we can get our passion restored. And our hearts can burn. Our life can be re-energized. Let's spend great time this week, the rest of our lives, following Jesus in his passion for the word of God. Amen.